In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you for this gathering again this evening. We know you have prepared something special for us. Yeah, that's your habit. Blessed is the one whom you have caused to approach unto you. As we approach unto you today, as we approach by your spirit, we receive that prepared for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. We receive understanding. Amen. We receive insight. Amen. We receive illumination. Amen. We receive direction. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe that you are receiving this, give me an amen. Amen. All right, therefore, let's uh, confess the word of God, believing that God has given us understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 That is your portion this afternoon, this evening, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God will illuminate your heart. Like I say once in a while, there's a reason. Sometimes when God wants to move us from one point to the other, there is a reason why he can't. God never blesses disobedience. Even if he does not punish it, he does not bless it. So if disobedience, uh, and it can be ignorance, it's keeping you at one spot. No matter how much God wants to bless you, he can't until he has told you what is right to do next. And that is what somebody will receive this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. The key you need, the, the, the understanding you need to move you from one point to where God wants you to be now, you will receive that illumination this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Greet somebody on your left and your right. The person. God's wisdom is yours. God's wisdom is yours. You are very wise. You are wise with the wisdom of heaven. Greet somebody. You are wise with the wisdom of heaven. All right. As you are doing that, take your seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Yeah, we are going to continue praying, dedicating ourselves to God. The aim of these uh, prayers, please don't forget these things. We're not just here to attend one prayer session and then Tuesday's prayer is over. Please, I want to request of everybody, make sure you book the CDs. Okay, you know the way our matter is. If you are from one, one household, one CD is enough. In fact, one is even enough for a campus fellowship. Do you get my point? But that means you must be dedicated to share it. I like those phones that do multi-connect when they are doing Wi-Fi connection. You can connect to six, seven phones at the same time. So just go out, connect, and share with everybody. Make sure you, you get the CD so that um, any message we preach, immediately afterwards, you continue to listen to it again and again to make it your prayer. It's not that I was in Bible study last Tuesday where I prayed. No, like I say all the time, we are here to learn to pray. That's what we are doing. We are kindling something in our lives so that each person will go out and make these things into our own prayer. All right, so in the last uh, few uh, meetings now, we have been talking about this dedicating ourselves to God again. And the method by which we do it is always through prayer. There's nothing, there's nothing we can do for God that does not involve prayer. And praying always is a sign that you trust God for help. Praying always is a sign 
that your hope is not in your own strength, but your hope is in the strength that God supplies. You know, maybe you are leaving the house, your wife tells you bye-bye, and you say to her, God will go with you. It's not a greeting, it's a prophecy. Are you getting my point? Yeah, it's a blessing. You are saying that it is not you that will succeed with your strength. Your safety is not your own doing. I'm trusting God that he will keep you. I'm saying to you, the Lord will go with you as you are going out, and he will be with you as you are coming in. That's a prayer. If you say that, you know, one of the things, um, today I was praying as I was driving. I was just asking the Lord, you know, what I want to ask you for today, Lord. Just help me to remember that you are in charge. Are you getting my point? Yeah, so that I will never forget that you are in charge. Because sometimes you hear negative news. You know, something terrible happened to somebody. Or let's assume somebody was driving and they got stuck behind the traffic when the tanker ran into a tipper. And the tanker and the tipper jammed themselves. And then there was an explosion. And then... The fellow is dead. You know that kind of thing. You know, you know the way the human mind behaves. First thing you think about is that, ha, what if I was the one that got stuck behind that uh, tanker? And these things have happened again and again. Not only in Nigeria, all over the place, you know, uh, all, all over the world. There was one that somebody sent a video the other day. The video was about how you should be careful in traffic. And I felt like, okay, the video was like, don't distract yourself when you are driving. All right? And there was one man driving a truck, you know, long, maybe like a, a 20-wheel vehicle or 20-something wheel, long one. And he turned to change the music on his player. And in that instant, he forgot. He didn't rea- well, because of that distraction, he did not see that there was a buildup of traffic in front of him. Imagine a Dangote truck, fully loaded. On a, you know, this is not Nigeria. This was somewhere in Europe or the U.S. Good road. You know, sometimes pothole is a blessing to slow you down. <laughs> If you distract yourself, the team will wake you up. Come on, focus on the road. So a smooth road. Next thing, next thing, guy here was bam as he began to jam the vehicles in front of him. You know the size of those vehicles. Do you understand? Look, of course, he started running into cars, crushing cars, crushing people. At the end of the day, he killed a number of people. Of course, the worst you would do is send him to jail for a few years. Americans are very wicked. They'll send you to jail for like 50 years. You know, if it's Europe, five years you're out because. It wasn't deliberate. Americans will count the number of people that died. <laughs> no, that, that, that's how they do. No, normally, the, the way Nigerian system is, we took it from the British, is that it's one crime. Okay? And you didn't intend it. So it's manslaughter or something. Five years imprisonment, ten years max. Americans will say for killing the first person, five years. The second person, five years. The third person, eight years. No, because that one, the person looked like was going to live longer than the rest. They do funny things like that. And you serve their sentences back to back. Now, so you go serve the same. By the time they finish with you, for one accident, you come out of jail when you are 75. You went to when you are 40. Anyway, let's sit on our message. The point I'm making is that you now think about such things. The fellow who was inside that traffic, is in, I just told you, so let you know it's not, only, not, it's not only in Nigeria. That fellow that was inside the traffic buildup didn't do anything yet. A man that was distracted because he wanted to change music on his player. Crushed so many people. So, you know, the reflex thing that ha, God do, like they say in Yoruba, there's a prayer in Yoruba land. I won't pray that prayer anymore. In fact, I've never prayed it, but I used to pray those when we were young. Say, may you not travel the day the road is hungry. If you know Yoruba prayer, you should you know that one. May you not travel the day the road is hungry. So the concept is that it's the time you travel. If you travel when the road is hungry, and when they say road is hungry, it's not eating flood, though. It's not eating, it's not eating collapsed tree. It's eating human beings that are traveling on it. 
Uh-huh. As if traveling, safety is a game of chance. Do you understand? So let's pray that we will not be unlucky. I was thinking about it. I said, no. God, please help me to remember that you are always in charge. Help me to remember that life is not an accident. Help me to remember that you are the sovereign God. Are you getting my point? That nothing happens in my life that you are not aware about. That Jesus, not only that, you command. Because Jesus said, the very hair of your head, they are numbered. None of them. Say, this sparrows is five, you know, five for, uh, how does he say it again? Anyway, make a long story short. Like the prince explained that the last, the last one of the five is free. It's Jaira. <laughs> are you getting my point? That I won't go into that. There's a reason why I explained that. He said, even those ones, none of them falls down without your father knowing about it. You understand how much more you that are more precious. I said, Lord, please remind me of these things. Don't let me hear the story of some people who were traveling and then the road bridge in front of them collapsed. They did not know. They drove off into a collapse in, of the bridge into the river and a whole family drowned. Things like that have happened. A whole family is traveling. A truck will crush everybody and then stories will start. Ah, how could they have happened? And when you hear such things, the flesh wants to be afraid. But I said, Lord, today I was just praying. I said, Lord, please help me. Never to forget that you're in charge. That there's nothing. There's an accident. Because if I remember that, then I will not be afraid. If I remember that, I will commit my ways unto the Lord. If I remember that, I will invoke the blessing of God wherever I'm going. I don't care whether the road is hungry or the road is full. What matters is that God is with me. Like one of my brothers said that safety is not the absence of danger. It is the presence of God. That it is not the absence of danger that makes you safe. It is that God is with you. In the midst of danger, if God is with you, you are safe. That's why I like to quote um, um, Stonewall Jackson, a military general in the American Civil War. He said, I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in my bedroom if I am in the will of God. That what matters is how I am working with God. It's not whether I'm the battlefield or I am in my bedroom. I, I was praying and said, Lord, help me to remember that life, this physical life is not a spontaneous thing. It's controlled by spiritual forces. Help me to know that angels are, they are real. They are with me. You know, angels, they are with me. When I'm praying with my children, sometimes they are going out. They are going out, either me or their mother. We say it, angels of God will help you. They will guide you. There are times they will be alone. They will not know. An angel, and that's happened to many of you too. An angel will walk with you. It will show you direction. An angel will walk with you. They will deliver you from trouble. There are many troubles you have walked through. They did not even let you see it, lest you lose faith. You know, God sometimes protects us from seeing things. He said, if they see what, they will not agree to go again. <laughs> there are times the, the work of the angels will blind you from the things that are wrong. You'll be going on the road. You won't see that people are cocking gun and about to start shooting. You'll just be walking. You th- <coughs> all you will see people chewing corn. The angels, they've blinded you to all the negative things. They've painted corn chewing. Hologram <laughs> of corn chewing. You think people are chewing corn? They're not chewing corn. It's angels. That's how angels behave. Go and read your Bible very well. Angels, that's how they react. That's how they operate. Some of the ways they operate. They came. They blinded people. And those, you remember the story of Elisha? Uh, my master, how shall we do? God, he said to the, to the Lord, please open this young man's eyes. God opened the eyes. He said, blind the people, other people. <laughs> when God blinded them, they were still seen. You know that? Yeah, they were still physically seen. They could see the road. They could see somebody talking to them, but they could not perceive. Seeing they were seen, but they could not perceive. So they saw Elisha, who they were supposed to come and arrest. All they said, is, Elisha said, who are you looking for? We are looking for, okay, so come follow me. They were following the man they were supposed to arrest. They followed him into the midst of their enemies. They did not know. But when they got to the center of Samaria, then their eyes now opened. Ah, we're in the military barracks. 
And they saw the Israeli king, the, the king of Israel in front of them. They were surrounded by Israel, Israel, Israelite and soldiers. Swords drawn, arrows drawn. So that one said, my father, what do I do? Should I summarize them? <laughs> and that one said, how can you do such a thing? Even if you capture them in war, don't you know what they call prisoners of war? How much you know these ones are just walk by themselves into your palace? Give them food. They sat down there and ate. <laughs> After that, of course, it's the kind of food that you must eat. It's not like, I don't like this one. No, you must like it. <laughs> of course, they never came back. They left, they never came back. That was angelic operation. They could see physically, but they couldn't understand anything. So sometimes when they just want to protect you, they won't let you see the negative that is going on in life. Many times when I see people make decisions concerning the nation like ours, sometimes I will settle down and say, am I the one that has a problem? Because, you know, when you look, check it, you are 20, 18 people do something in one direction. Another two of you are facing the second direction. You know, you first have to ask yourself, I hope I'm not being arrogant. I hope I'm not being conceited. I hope I'm not thinking I'm wiser than everybody else. One of the things that kept on encouraging me is that it's not new. There were up to two million people. Yet only Caleb and Joshua were, were correct. And they were, let's add uh, Moses with them. All right? So that one gives me encouragement. But there are times you just look. In fact, there's one of our brothers. He calls me once in a while. He said, okay, I hope you don't mind me calling you this often. He said, the problem is that I need to remain sane. That occasionally when I've seen people do things, I call you so that I will know I'm not mad. So after talking to you for 15 minutes, I said, okay, I'm not crazy. Pastor Panky is in agreement with me. The other people are mad. I'm normal. You know that kind of thing. He said, because, you know, when you're in an environment and you're the only one standing, after a while, you start wondering whether you're the one, yes, you know? So sometimes we're talking about a country like ours. I'm first of all, I start wondering, am I really, you know? Years ago, I realized that, no, God is amplifying some things in my heart. And for the other people, other things are amplified. I hope, I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, this happens a lot of times. You see people make decisions, they leave the country. Why? Why are you leaving the country? Of course, you know it happens all the time. They say things are not working well. And then when I look at the person telling me things are not working well, I may be surprised. Because where you are going to, okay, guaranteed for the next three, four, five years, five years on the average, things will not work well there too. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You are going to get to a new society. You have to become used to their system. They are not going to start you on a high-paying job. They start you very low. You have to build your way up also. You have to go and start doing courses. For example, if you're in my profession, you are going to read and read and read and read, take exams. Then you go for a training where they pay you peanuts. And at the end of a few years, you will now qualify to be a specialist. Then you start looking for a better job. And you will get a better job usually. All right? And I look at that and say, okay, so things from what you are telling me now, you are going to have the next um, six years rough where you are going. That is five, first, five, that's first three, four years rough. Then one or two years balance. Then before you really relax, you're talking about the next six years, seven years. And I ask myself, so who told you if you stayed where you were right now and put that effort with prayer into this environment, in seven years you'll still be lacking? See, it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. When I say we're going to maybe look like US or Canada, if you see the effort, just by the way, there's nobody going to Canada that does not go broke first. They sap you. I say you can raise six million naira, and you are a university graduate, even if you are not. If you have the sense to live in a country like that, if you use that same sense, settle down here and pump six million naira into your life, and God blesses you. Anyway, no God is on leave. Let's leave it like that. No God is on leave, because the only way we behave the way we do is that we believe that God is on leave. 
People say, I'm looking for, you know, I want my children to have a better life. I want my children to have a better life. And it makes me laugh. I said, the God that brought you to this level, by the time your children grow up, he will be old too. You know, you will be old that time. God will also be old. He will be tired. They can't see again. No, because the same people who are telling me some of this nonsense that I hear, irritate my soul. You were nothing. God raised you up from poverty. He raised you up from struggling. Raised you up from the place where you didn't have anything. Now you have enough money to go and deliver children abroad. You have enough money to pack through children and travel anywhere to want to go in the world. Then you now get up one day and you now say that, eh, why am I moving from one country to another? Like I said, you can move anywhere. The question you always ask yourself is why? They say, you know, I want to have a better life for my children. My children, I want them to have a better life. You know, you know, I'll have opportunity. I'll be looking at you. I'll be looking in my mind. My God, this is pure foolishness. If it was not foolish, you know, there are things you do, you insult the Lord. You are saying to him, you are not the one that brought me to this level. Because the God that brought you to this level, from where you were, you are telling me all of a sudden that you can't trust him to do it again. All of a sudden you are telling me that you have forgotten his faithfulness or you don't believe is his faithfulness. What you are saying is that what you believe that chance took you to this level. It is not the mercy of God. It's chance. If you believe it's the mercy of God, there are things you don't say. Otherwise you are saying that God, I know you are going to age, you are near retirement. You are going to age. By the time my children are grown up, God will be tired. He will have lost his power. The blood of Jesus, after we don't shout out the blood, the blood, it don't finish. The manufacturing plant for the blood, they are closing down and moving to Mars. Yeah, the, 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 these are the statements we are making. The, when we make some decisions, these are the statements we are making. That God, where I am right now, is a game of chance. You did not bring me to this level. For that reason, I have looked. Then let me improve my, the chances of my children. People of God, be careful how you make your statements. You are donating your children to chance. One of my brothers, you know, we're talking this yesterday night. If I kept me up for a very long time. He was talking to one of his bosses, works in an oil company. He said the boss was just talking and talking and, and listen to me, this man was in HR. You know called HR? What's HR? Yes. So he's supposed to know who's been employed. He said they just employed like 80 people in their company. So the boss was telling him that, ah, so he realized that, well, it's good to get a good education, that you see these people now that they employ, most of them came from abroad. So he told the other guy, he said, it's not true. The man said, it's so. He said, it's not true. It's not so, sir. The man said, ah, I'm in HR. I'm telling you, most of them came from abroad. He says, no, sir, they did not. They all grew up locally, local degrees. The man looked at him, went and pulled out the records, and found out that only five people came with foreign degrees. That's 75. The man was shocked. Listen to me. They went through testing. You know the way it is. They did their exams. They did the test and everything. And he had worked with them. He had seen their intelligence, their ability. He just assumed these were UK graduates, American graduates, graduates from Australia, graduates from... He said, he dead the man. Go and check. The man pulled out the records and found out that out of 80, only five out of 80 had the first degree from a foreign country. That's 75 of them being employed. Who, listen to me, they were tested and they did very well. The man said, do you know I would have argued this matter with anybody except that we had a discussion today and I'm in HRO and you are not in HR. The other man said, I've talked to the people. I know where they came from. University of Nigeria, University of Benin, you know, Covenant University, University of Lagos, you know, different universities all over the country. Of course, as young men, young women, they sit down, they are doing courses online. Maybe, you know, you want Cisco certification, they get it from their homes. These are online courses. There are things we do sometimes, we are telling God, you know, you are, you are getting old. By the time my children need you, you won't be there anymore. Or we are saying, you're not the one that helped me today. My life is a game of chance. But don't ever forget it. What we call luck is a colloquial word for blessing. There's nothing that, that has happened in your life 
for good, there's a game of chance. God had to specifically command each one. Listen to me that you are alive, you are not dead today. God had to command, live, do not die. One of our brothers was traveling from Benin to Abuja. Interesting story, testimony. He was going by road some years ago, and then he slept off. Then he woke up because people were trying to break the door of the car to bring him out. They were hacking the door of the car, you know, hacking things, you know, metal, you know, axe. Pull this one here. That's when he woke up. <laughs> the car had been in a ghastly accident. He was asleep throughout. He slept before it happened. Throughout the occurrence, he was asleep. <laughs> the next time he heard noise, it was people trying to get the car open so they could extract him. It was not a joke. He's a doctor. So he could recognize brain when he sees it. The brain of the next man was on his cloth. I don't have to tell you that one was dead. They pulled him out. He had a little scratch here. After they used to laugh at him, he was swollen for a while. That was only a scratch on his body. He said, oh, he was safe where he was. They were taking, of course, you know the way they had to take records and all of that. So he was supposed to write his name somewhere. So looking for a pen, he opened his bag to bring out a pen. The first pen he broke was, brought out was broken. He dropped his, look for another one. The next pen he, bro, he brought out was broken. I don't know whether I get my point. The bag with him, the contents were crushed. He had to get a pen from somebody. The ones he had in his bag, they were crushed in the accident. Yet he, not one bone was broken. The man next to him, his skull was split open. Do you know why? Because the Lord said to him, live and don't die. You are not alive by chance. You are alive because God said, live, do not die. And I say this things all the time. <laughs> no, one of my senior colleagues saw me yesterday. It was yesterday? Yes. He said, ah, thank you. Because he was present where I preached about two weeks ago. And I spoke on the power of divine health. He's a professor of medicine. He knows my understanding. So he said, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, Gavin, what's going on? <laughs> he said, how, you know, how do you manage the conflict? That, you know, you know, conflict, you know, conflict, like, you have, you know, you have medical knowledge. Then you preach like this. How do you, I said, sir, one of the things is this. Because we didn't have time to talk. I was hurrying for a lecture. I said, one of the issues, sir, is this. David said, I have more understanding than my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. I said, because I know the word of God, because I interact with the spirit by the word. Are you getting my point? I said, there are things about medicine I understand more than the average person. That when I speak, I speak not, you know, some people think that, uh, you know, faith is very different from medicine and for real, from physical things. No. If you have faith, you will understand some things. So there are times I'm teaching students. I teach fourth year medicine. I, I will say some things, I'll just laugh. I say, I don't believe, what I've told you, and I say, I don't believe a word of it. But I need to tell you this because this is the standard teaching for now. <laughs> I tell them, I said, listen, I don't, I say, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Why don't I believe some things? I say, you see, like I told you, I read your dad in Newsweek, and somebody was talking about, is it teleological or teleological thinking? That it's thinking with purpose. Believing things have purpose. He was trying to say that life doesn't have purpose. I said, because you don't believe in God. I said, those of us who understand God, who understand that creation is purposeful. Do you get my point? If you know the intricacies of molecular biology, you know that this life could not have been an accident. You need to be a hater of God or a thorough idiot to believe it came out of nothing. Because when you say intricate designs, see, you see, you've seen aeroplanes, the internet, and all of those things. Those designs are a joke when it comes to biological design. If you see, if those are big, big machines, if you see sub-molecular arrangement, 
And somebody says it's a game of chance. And there are many things I say like that. <laughs> I'll tell my people, I say, I don't believe the word of this. Ten years later, they'll say, ah, okay, well, I found out it's not true. I say, I knew it was not true 20 years ago. Why did I, how did I know it was not true? Because it did not fit the concept of creation. It did not fit the concept of somebody designing something. I said, no, it doesn't fit. I said, for now, we'll teach it all because, you know, we are teaching according to standards, this thing. I tell my students, I say, listen, this is a joke. You guys mark it down. In the next few years, they will revise it. The one I, you've heard me say many times. I said, don't eat egg, don't eat this one. Everyone said, look, let's egg. I said, this is a lie. This is a lie. It took 30 years for WHO to find out it was a lie. Those who've been listening to me for a long time, I said, ah. Because the has been saying it. I said, yes, now. I've been saying it because I just, because I have understand, I read it. I said, this thing you people are saying, the observations don't make sense. So I told the man, I said, listen, I have more understanding. Now, why am I going to all of these things? Because of that, sometimes we say, <laughs> if I was joking again, this afternoon in the office, I was joking, say, ah, go and test, go and test yourself, go and test yourself. <laughs> oh God, so many gist to give. You know, I get encountered gist all the time. My colleagues and I gathered. I mean, I'm telling you about, this man I was telling you about was there. It was, if I referred to it, this professor I was telling you about. Big men gathered. Professors of medicine, you understand? We sat in one office. We we're preparing exams for students. So there's a very elderly man there. And somebody said, ah, this man is aging gracefully. But doesn't junket all over the world doing test, test, test. He said, imagine another person, his contemporary. He said, that one is always sick because always going up and down doing tests so he can live long. <laughs> so that brought another discussion again. So I said, you see, when you don't believe in God, you have to find something to believe in. Oh, that is it. I said, even science, they have found out. The reason why people live long till now, they don't understand. They keep on trying. There's what they call the power of life they, they've not been able to accept. They keep on trying to understand. You say, go and check this, check that. Those who live very long never checked anything. They just live their lives normally. And found out that they live very long. There's one doctor in Enugu ahead. I used to teach everybody about health, 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 health. Then one day, he woke, that is healthy eating, healthy eating. Don't eat this, it's basic. Don't eat this one, it is acidic. Don't eat this one, it's not balanced. This one has too much calcium. This one has too much salt. This one has too much. So you see that every day teaching the whole of Enugu. I, I heard, I never met the guy. Then one day, he fell down and died. You know what they call fall and die? One day he fell down and died. And the person knows the story said, Ah, we thought you would live forever. <laughs> he said, You seem to know everything to eat and what not to eat. Daddy, my wife, I think you were there, Daddy, baby. Eh? Okay. I told my wife, I said, Do you know what happened? I said, When you remove thanksgiving from your food, you withdraw the power of life. You offend God every time He gives you food. Analysis. This one was grown with organic fertilizer. This one was not, God is looking at you. And he's waiting for his thank you. No, anytime God gives you food, the last portion is the thank you. The meat is your own. Do you understand my point? The meat, the vegetables, your own. The rice, your own. The beans, your own. Whether they pounded the yam or crushed the yam is your own. The last portion in your food is what? Thank you. So when you want to eat, the Lord too sits down. Say, let us eat. No, I make a joke with my wife. If my wife is eating chicken, I'm looking at her. When she finishes eating the meat, I say, baby, don't eat Tesla's portion. Tesla is our dog. <laughs> he said, what? I say, baby, don't cause trouble. This is why this dog will be barking when you are passing. <laughs> if you eat Tesla's portion, <laughs> you must give each person his portion. Baby, I never told you. I read that joke long ago when I was younger. One man, you know this way they write in my uh, newspapers. 
Man was chasing the dog. Bingo, bingo, come back. Bingo was running away. He had bone in his mouth. Bingo, you know, the way they now draw the bubble of the thoughts. Bingo said, who's I? This I go sit down here. What you take? Oh, would you chop my portion? <laughs> so the man was eating the bone. I big rush him. Collect the bone, begin run. <laughs> and then you are eating, know whose portion what is. And you want to eat, you know the lost portion? And you guess what? You give his own to him first. You don't give to him second, though. It's not second. You give him what? First. And those who murmured perished where? In the wilderness. You don't murmur over the food. So that day I told my wife, I said, you know what killed that man? Murmuring. Denying the Lord his portion. So the Lord sat down. The man will bring food. He will murmur for five minutes. What is the murmur? This one has fat. This one is too cooked. When you cook it too much, the level of folic acid has gone down. This one is not cooked enough. For you to extract the vitamin E in tomato, you need to cook and cook. Then this one, the fiber content has been blended. So it's no longer fibrous. It's now blended. So the Lord, After that, the Lord gets up and walks away and takes the power of life out of your food and walks away with it. When you are eating, you are eating grass. They are eating poison. They want you not die. You say, I said so. I knew I would die. God said, yes. Why wouldn't you die? I sat with you for 20 years. I was hungry. Yeah, because my portion is what? Thank you. That's why I didn't go and read the Bible. Jesus never ate any food or served anybody without giving thanks. And the Bible makes it clear that we should receive everything with what? With thanksgiving. So long before I even heard this, I used to tell my friends that, once I told my friends, I said, listen, we can't complain about food anymore. He said, why? I said, because we start with thanksgiving. Once we start with thanksgiving, where do we go from there? Then longer laughter. No, not, not, not long. Shortly after, I stumbled into a write-up about Smith Wigglesworth. And he said, Smith Wigglesworth was known to never complain about food. So once he was in a friend's house, you know, he was visiting, and they served food, and they began to eat after Thanksgiving. And the man only said, ah, please, I hope you don't mind. We didn't put, the man just said, enough. We have given thanks. And he continued eating. That is, once you have given thanks, you can't complain about the food. So Wigglesworth told the man, Enough. We have given thanks. Whether the salt is not enough, please let's stop, don't, don't make excuses. We will enjoy this food by faith. We will enjoy it by faith. And listen to me, people of God, that is how life comes into your system. How do people live long? It's when they are constantly giving thanks. Thanksgiving pumps life into your blood. Thanksgiving pumps life into your brain. Please don't read too many of these scientific things that are written on studies of ungodly people. Please, let me say it again. Be careful. When you are reading health information derived from people studied who don't believe in God, you gather a whole nation of which 99% of them say there is no God. They do studies. Of course, their hearts will fail. They do studies. Of course, their brains will shrink. They do studies that if you don't drink enough alcohol, you are likely to become likely to have dementia by the time you are 70. Why not? You should have dementia when you are 20. You don't believe in God. You are not giving thanks. You are getting my point. You are not giving thanks, but do not do studies. Do not be using ungodly people to decide the biology of my life. No, I will not accept that. I will not accept that. You can't do studies on people that have denied God. They easy to not extrapolate into my system. Tell me, as I'm getting old, this is going to happen to me. Why? Because it happened to a man who doesn't believe in God. Does he give thanks the way I give thanks? There are confounding factors in these things. Even scientifically, it's been shown that the chances that you, when you're talking about living long, on even based on chance, that is normal scientific study. They have found out that your relationships 
is more important than the food you eat. It's more important than the medicine that's available to you. That those who live long have people. You say, oh, no, I have people. Just have people around you. Birthday to go to. Church to go to. People to visit you. Uh, there are times, maybe it's Christmas time and all of that. One of the reasons I take my children and say, okay, let's go and visit your grandparents. I said, your presence is injecting life into them. Just run around the house. Break one or two things. <laughs> when there's too much order, you know the most ordered place, the very quiet and ordered place is a graveyard. The house where they don't break anything. Everything's in order. If I leave a plate here, it's still there. When I come back three weeks later, nobody slams any door. Nobody says, Mommy, he pushed me. Grandma, I told you not to take... You see, all those little, little disturbances. It's called the peace of God. <laughs> what am I trying to say? People who want life, you go to God to get life. It's not Okwara Square. You know, you know, I keep on saying all the time, keeping fit is good, amen? amen. But it only makes you fit. It doesn't make you live longer. The chance of your dying is the same. Whether you go to Okwara Square or you go to Village Square, whichever one you go, the, <laughs> listen, there is no chance. It's the same thing. The people in the village square, you know, one day. <laughs> no, they, they will live longer than those people in the square. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. I, I, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> one day, where I used to stay, <laughs> one of our neighbors died. It was 70-something, uh, 77 thereabouts. So then I had a, what do you call this evening? Like wake-keep, yes. For the man. So the neighbors gathered and everything. So later, I couldn't believe that. And I saw old men quarreling over who took the chicken, who took the meat. And they were drinking pan wine and drinking wine. And, ah. So we sat down there. So next day I got to work. I was telling one of my colleagues. I said, I couldn't believe. I said, look. He said, no, chief, chief. That is the way keep. I said, what do you mean? He said, no. He said, that argument is part of it. That the man said, don't talk to me like that. Who are you? Why can't I talk to you? I said, okay, now it makes sense because I was watching, I couldn't understand how they would be arguing like this. Now let me tell you the truth, these are the things that prolong life. <laughs> it is, I'm telling you, you are going to Akwara Square. Go to Village Square, I'm telling you. <laughs> Argue with your cousins. Okay, take your, your what do you call that thing? Anyway, your calabash of pan wine. Take your one, take one. Let's see who finishes it first. Don't do it every day, just once in a while. <laughs> Those are the things that prolong life. People now take scientific studies done on the bodies of godless people. You want me to fear those studies? The Bible says, neither fear ye their fears. Don't fear what they fear. And say, ah, people are dying suddenly. Oh, better go for a checkup. Go and check those who died suddenly. They also went for a checkup. You think they didn't go? Those footballers died suddenly. Do you know how they check them? When they pay $2 million for your head, they will check you. Check your toe. Check the color of each strand of your hair. They will ask God for, 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 for what they call it, Excel sheet of the number he had on your hair. Because after paying $2 million, they don't want you to die suddenly. On top of that, people will still die. Checking up doesn't keep you alive. You want to live long? There's one place you get it from. Get down on your knees. Don't even kneel down. Sit on the floor and say to the Lord, Oh, that you will bless me indeed. And keep me healthy. And make me live long. That's what you need. 
That's what you need. That is what you need. The Lord is good. I want to ask you how we got here, because I have no idea. You know what I'll just do? I'll just go back to where I wanted to start from. I hope you are blessed. (laughs) Because I'm lost. (laughs) Honestly. Oh, the Lord is good. So anyway, we've been talking about it. Prayer is a sign that we are trusting in God. Yes, that's how we began. Yes, yes, I remember now. Let's pray. Thank you. Prayer is a sign that we are trusting in God. Prayer is a sign we are trusting in God for health. Prayer is a sign we are trusting in God for prosperity. Prayer is a sign that we are trusting in God for safety. Prayer is a sign we are trusting in God for everything. That is why you bless yourself. You bless your children. You bless your wife. If you're you're a husband, you bless your wife. You speak a, a, a blessing. You speak a blessing to the nation, the ground around which you walk, that on which you walk, the, the environment around you depends on those blessings. It's a sign that you're trusting in God. That's what prayer is. Now let's continue from what we've been talking about for some time, and this consecrating ourselves to God. Now remember, what is most important for us in our personal lives is to be what God wants us to be. Money is not the most important thing. Health is not the most important thing. Are you getting my point? Many people are coming to God just so that he can do something for them. Like we said last time, Jesus is not like other gods. Other gods just sacrifices. That's what they want. You know, just give us a sacrifice at the right time. No, Jesus is not like that. Jesus teaches you, instructs you in the way that you should go. We said that the number one part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching. It was not healing. It was not miracles. Do you follow my point? It was teaching. It was teaching. That was the number one thing in his ministry. He continually taught people, and those who followed his teachings, he called them his disciples. Disciples, those are the ones that later on became Christians. They are the ones called Christians. They follow his instructions. So Jesus, we know, he teaches us, and by that teaching, by the entrance of his word, he's transforming us into what God the Father created us to be. Now, now this point I wanted to make today, let me just continue making from this point. That is, anytime he exposes something to us, he says to us, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, he knows you cannot be perfect by your own strength. He knows you cannot be perfect by your own energy. There is nothing you can do in yourself to become that perfect person like the father is that he wants you to be. There is nothing. So what he gave us, that's actually why I went into all of that. That's just the thing I, I wanted to say. What he gave us as a sign or, or as a tool of perfection is prayer. First thing the word does is to bring you to you. You know, we said something at that time. Anytime God asks questions, he's not asking for his own knowledge. He's asking for your knowledge. If he says to Adam, where are you? He knows where Adam is. He's just saying to Adam, you, you must know where you are so that you will understand what's, where iniquity has taken you to. Do you follow that point? You know, the prodigal son, that's what happened. He disobeyed the father. You know, let's now say God looked at him and said, I will let you understand what iniquity does to people. And at the point in time, he looked and saw where he had, be, he had reached in life. So he turned. Now, let me just use the word now. He turned in prayer to his father. He said, accept me by, you know, as one of your higher servants and all of that. So you see, what God does is he wants us to know where we are. So when he reveals himself to us, when he reveals himself to us, he's not trying to say, you do something about this by yourself. You can't. If he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What he's saying is, draw near to the throne of grace. And obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The time of need is a time that we need to obey God. 
The time of need is when we have temptations and trials in life that are trying to push us into disobedience. That is a time of need. That time is when we come to God in prayer. Anytime he gives us something, now our focus now is, like first day we talked about walking in God's will. Like Pastor Kimothy was preaching earlier, uh, leading us to prayer earlier. Walking the will of God for your life is not easy. And how do I prove it? Jesus didn't find it easy to. Go to the cross was not easy. You read that John chapter 12. Father, should I say, deliver me from this hour? For this cause I came to this hour. If it was not, it was easy. Why, why would you be saying, deliver me? Staying where God ordained you to be may not be easy. I'd like to say it again. Please forget this gospel of prosperity. I mean, it looks like anytime you're in the will of God, things will be sweet and rosy. Paul drowned in the will of God. Amen? Amen. Oh, okay, let's say he didn't drown. He almost drowned in the will of God. It was in the will of God when, it, when the boat capsized. Jesus died in the will of God. Amen? Amen. Yes, that is it. It was the will of God that he went to the cross. Many things go wrong with people in the will of God. The first thing God said to uh, Paul was what he will suffer for his name's sake. That was, what would you want me to do? Come, follow me. I will show you. They, they will beat you, okay? They will flog you, okay? Get ready for 39 lashes a number of times, okay? Practice now. Three days, there will be no food. And you will still be doing meeting every night, preaching. And you can't take an offering. He told him all of those things. So being in the will of God does not mean that there will never be trials. Let me just drop this. But you will know the trials are for a cause bigger than you. Are you getting my point here? You see, one of the things, in fact, that's, that's what I want, to, I want to talk about today. You will see Paul, he explained again and again the kind of troubles that he has, is going through. He said, but one thing he keeps rejoicing in is that their faith is being built up because of what he's going through. He said, I don't know, like King James said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, whether to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or to stay and stay with you guys, which will make more, mean more work. Your faith will be built up. He said that, uh, I don't know which one to choose. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I said, okay, no, I know what will happen. I will leave. Why? Because if I leave, your faith is strengthened. He said, so I know God will let me leave. So he chose to leave. He knew that God would let him leave. Why? Because he saw the importance of his living. Listen, that's how you judge life. It's what you are contributing to life. It's not how much you are enjoying. Listen, you must understand that. It's how much you are contributing, not how much you are enjoying. Enjoyment, prosperity, stuff like that does not, you know, think that they do not define the life of the believer. What defines the life of the believer is the sacrifices they are making for the sake of Christ. Where things are rosy, must never it's unbelievers that are reason like that. These things the Gentiles seek. Looking for where things are rosiest for me. No. What you look for is where on earth am I going to have the effect that God wants me to have. But like I was saying, following God's will is not always easy. So he gives us what? Prayer. He said, draw near to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Find grace to help in the time of need. And so anytime God's word reveals something to us, that's what I was trying to say that. When time the word of God reveals something to us, shows our deficiency, what he's saying is go to prayer. Do you follow my point? It's not New Year resolution. It is prayer. I don't believe in New Year resolution for a number of reasons. One, most New Year resolutions never resolve anything. You've done it before. Don't you? Didn't you do it? But that's not my major reason why I don't even like it. My major reason is that why should it be New Year? Any day, because except there's revelation, your life cannot change. Should I say that again? Except there is revelation. God shows you something new. Your life can't change. The habits you have formed, 
will remain no matter how much you try to break the habit, except a new picture, a new image from the spirit is put in front of you. I like the way Mirake Ash explained it. So her husband, Mel Ash, he died shortly after the, the two years. He said by that time the problem, you know, the trouble had gone too far. He had smoked for many years and they tried to get him to stop. He tried to stop. He never could stop until one day she was reading and she read about the dangers of secondhand smoking. That is, people who live with smokers are also at risk, even though they don't smoke themselves, just because they inhale the cigarette smoke that's hanging in the air. So she saw the dangers of secondhand smoking in an article and said her husband had the habit of reading whatever she has been reading. So she put it where he will find it. And one day, of course, the next day she picked, he picked the magazine, went through it and saw the article and read it. Read that article, a man who had tried to stop smoking for a long time, for years, and did not succeed. He read one article, The Dangers of Secondhand Smoking, and suddenly realized that I'm not just hurting myself, I'm hurting the people that I love. I'm hurting the wife that I love. Do you know what? After that day, he never smoked again. That was the cigarette he smoked before he picked up that article was the last cigarette he smoked in his life. The only problem, like he said, is that by that time, the cigarette had caused a lot of problems because two years later, he died from lung cancer. Because cancer takes time to develop. So from our knowledge of cancer biology, that thing had been growing at that time for at least four years, five years, thereabout. So by the time he died two years later, okay? Now, the point I'm making is that you see, when a new picture was put in front of him, that was when he received ability. That was when he received grace. Now, so I'm going to say something here. You cannot change your life except a new revelation comes from God. You can't. It's when God brings something before you that you suddenly realize, you, you understand that, listen, the direction I'm going is not right. I am convinced. Now, this thing has been on my heart for some time. I am convinced that this season we are in, hmm, God is about to release supernatural power into his church. There's one problem, however, with that. When the church was moving in supernatural power, you know one of the manifestations? The death of Ananias and Sapphira. Contrary to what some people say, they were actually believers. So God says, listen, I don't like trouble. So I need my people cleansed because I will injure somebody. I won't say because you go to my church. That is God now. <laughs> you do what is wrong and I will leave it. And let me tell you something. When God is moving like that, Satan also feels threatened. And when he's threatened, he intensifies his accusations. Because he doesn't have the kind of power we think he has. What he has is temptation, accusation, deception, stuff like that. He intensifies his temptations so that he can have more power to accuse. Because anytime he accuses successfully, God always rules in his favor. That's what it means to accuse successfully anyway. So God said we need to weaken his ability to accuse. We need to weaken his, you know, that his, um, the power for accusation. And how do we do it? We strengthen the people against his temptations. We don't just say, Satan, you can't accuse. No, God doesn't do that. That would be unjust. What he does is to strengthen the people against his temptations. I am convinced. I'm very convinced about it. Just watch it. You start seeing it. And I say once in a while that get ready for supernatural manifestations in your businesses. You start seeing things, visions and revelations. You will know what will happen. You, somebody won't know. You just say something. Somebody say, what did you say? Say, over the next three years, this thing is going to be phased out. We are going to move in this particular line. How do you know? I'm not even sure. But I had this idea this morning. When I woke up, it was on my mind. 
The understanding will now show you that, no, that these are the visions and revelations of God, and Christians are going to start working in such things. So now, God says, when such things start working, then the rules of engagement in their personal lives become even more stringent. Because, you see, God says, if I'm going to manifest things like that in your businesses, then you can never lie to anybody in that same business. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You don't cheat anybody. You don't lie to anybody. You can't. You are going to be open and transparent. You are going to be. That's what it costs to walk in divine power. That's what it costs. <laughs> you know, when you see the amount of uh, lie, lie, we lie in Christianity, you just know that's why divine. You know, God has to slow down his power because when he shows up, it's double-edged. Do you get my point? Yes, he holds the people of God, look, a much, much higher standard than the people of the world. The people that are carrying divine power, they are held to a higher moral standard, standard of righteousness than the people of the world. Much higher. So God said, okay, how do we solve it? Like I said, what he just does is to reveal things to people. And he says, take those things to prayer. We've used David as an example. He looked at David. Well, David was doing Boy Scout. He was doing Strongman. All right, leave him alone. Before he knew what was, happened, what was happening, his family had been ruined. So he now prayed a prayer. I should have prayed two years before. Creating me a new heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Things he should have said long before. He said it only after problems had started. And God is teaching us his people. Listen, examine your life on a daily basis. Consecrate yourself on a daily basis. Know what is important. Anytime I set something before you, I want that thing to be a standard that you pray yourself into. Let's open our Bibles. I want to read something. Philippians. This is actually where I wanted to begin, begin from, but I'm happy we have reached there now. We're going to start from chapter 1. Now I'm going to read, um, where I'm going is verse 9, but you know my habit, I like to get a bit of context. He said, I thank my God, verse 3 now. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, let me just jump down now to verse 8. Say, For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, like I said, what I wanted specifically is verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. That's the New Living Translation. Now, bear that one in mind. The fact that he prayed that their love may abound still more and more. You notice something here. It's a prayer point. Do you get my point? He specifically prayed for them. Lord, I pray for the church in Philippi. The people who have believed through my preaching. People who walk with me in the course of this gospel. I pray for them that their love will abound more and more. And that they will continually increase in knowledge and in discernment. Now let's see what our love is. Go down to verse... Um, Chapter 2. This was what I was referring to earlier. Let me just quickly read this. Just uh, I'll go back to the beginning. Verse 17, New Living Translation. 
but I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful services is an offering to God. I want all of you to share that joy. Now, before that, okay, we'll get that to it in a moment. I just want to read that because I, I, I referred to it earlier. Where Paul was saying he, he didn't care how, what he was losing as long as the people have been affected by his ministry. You'll see that from verse 14, but we'll, we'll get down there in a moment. But let's just read the main thing I want us to read. We well, I mean, actually read a long portion. Let's start from verse 3 to save time. He said, do nothing from selfishness. Or empty conceit. That is, don't try to impress others. That's the meaning of empty conceit. Philippians chapter 2, sorry. I'm now in verse 3. It said, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. That is, don't try to impress others. It said, but do things with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own in fact, what he said is this. Let's read the word merely. is not even there. That's supplies to make it flow. Literally, he said, do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves. Now, this is what love is. That's what he's saying now. When he says, your love will abound more and more. This is, what, this is what love is. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a born servant, being made in the likeness of men. That is, he, okay, then being found, verse 8, in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, verse 9, God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, as in my presence only, that not just before me, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation, and notice this, with fear and trembling. That is, this is what you are supposed to do to work out your salvation. Make sure that this attitude that's in Christ Jesus is also in you. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life. Now notice this, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run or toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service, sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way, and share your joy with me. That is, let it be the standard also that you have set for your lives. That is, your life counts only when it is building up somebody's life. Your life counts only when it is building up the faith of other people. Your life counts not on what you can get for yourself, but what you can contribute into the lives of other people. Now, this is what I wanted us to start with, but I, I was saying so many things. 
Now, these things have been set up for us as a standard. Now, I was thinking about it. Do you know, if we can take the word of God literally, we'll really be surprised. I what you do in our lives. Like when he says, do nothing because of personal interest, but look out for the interest of other people. Do you know it is down, even down to how you do business? The word has taught us all kinds of things. You know what God says to believers? I'm the one that will provide your money. I'll provide your resources. I'll provide everything. You just take your eyes away. Just focus on being a blessing to somebody else. Focus on the assignment that I have given you. You know, when a man starts a business and he does well, the world and worldly people, Christians also do it, they sit down and learn how he made money out of it. But they will not know that what God is saying is that that was not why he started what he started. I don't know whether you are getting my point. If you go and read the book, Move Out of Men and Mountains, Aji Letuno. Letuno didn't start out to be an engineer because he wanted to make money. Letuno started out believing that if you invent machines, life is easier. I don't know whether you are getting my point. The man said, look, why should life be this difficult? In fact, he believed that if he see anything that has not been done, the machine has not been made. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Like now. He invented a machine that used to turn forests into level ground. How will he do it? His machine can be, will be massive. That is, you put the machine that you start moving. In front is a forest. Behind the machine is level ground with nothing on it. It will knock the tree down and chew up the tree. <laughs> that's, his kind of, that's the kind of man he, he was. If you say you want to construct a road here, and the mountain is too big. You like, we have not made the machine. So you go and sit down, design a machine to solve a problem. He now made a statement. He said, if I knew then what I know now about accounting, I would never have made it in life. He said, because every decision I made didn't make sense. Accounting-wise, didn't make sense. But he survived. Built a very great company. He built half of the tanks Americans used in the Second World War. That's how you to know. But go and read his book, Mover of Men and Mountains. It wasn't because he wanted to make money that started out. He started out because he said there is a problem to solve. And we can solve these problems building machines. That's why we tell him, why are you still working? Come and rest. Say, I'm not working, I'm playing. <laughs> ah, but you're in the yard, you are welding stuff. He said, no, 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 these are my toys. Do you get the point? You'll be building a new machine. Why? said, go and rest. He said, I'm resting. But you're there working. He said, no, 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 this is not work. These are my toys. So anytime he's not doing anything, he's in his yard constructing something else, hammering something out. And to him, it was not work. It was fun. I told this story many times here. When Mary Kay Cosmetics started, she didn't start cosmetics business. She said the way the world does business is wrong. Marketing business. So let me teach them how to do it. So she wrote a book on marketing and said, why would anybody read it? Who am I? Nobody. So let me go and put the things I have written into practice. Having done that, then people will see that it is true. Mike Murdoch gave a fact about, because her, her company was private. It was never a publicly quoted company. And if a company is not publicly quoted, it's difficult to estimate the value. Okay? But Mike Murdoch said she was worth, I think, $2 billion. She had a company as a retired woman. She didn't start it to make money. She started it because, so let me show to people 
the way they've been doing things was not, has not been good. It's not good. Same thing with Henry Ford. Now, what am I saying? So you see that what the Bible says applies to every part of our lives. And if we operate what God is saying, we'll be amazed at what he will do through us. That is a matter of fact. I want to dare somebody today. Just obey God, literally. You can die in the process. Oh. Are you getting my point? Did I scare you? <laughs> you know, the other day I said something. We should learn to do like Esther. Which is what? Yes. Actually, you know the truth. I didn't expect you to die. I want you to have that attitude. That so what if I die in the process? You know, I finished my message. Well, I would like to pray, but I want to tell you something. I have made up my mind, not today, long ago, that I will not live an average life. When I say average now, I don't mean me to fly a private jet. Flying private jet is average. You go to a place like America, it is not a big deal. You know, poverty is why we notice those who have it in Nigeria. You go to a place like the U.S., it's not a big deal. Kenneth Copeland is a pilot, registered, certified pilot. Same minister flies himself around. You say, uh, Harrison Ford flies himself around. The other day he crashed, that's why it's news. They fly themselves around all the time. It's not anything with them. But you know when poor people gather to buy new shoe, newspaper. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. I made up my mind I will not live an average life. What do I mean by that? I will not fear what everybody fears. I will not run when everybody is running. I will not go by the standards that everybody is going by. The, the other day, I, I, okay, I won't talk about this now here, but I told my wife the other day. I said, see this thing, eh? I can do it. It's not a bad thing. I said, but people have turned it to normal. I have to go against that trend. I'm sorry. It, it's just me. I just made up my mind. When I say, eh, eh, you know, country, never we can be sure of what tomorrow we hold. I want to stand and let you know that I have committed my tomorrow and that of my children to the hand of God. And believe me, I'm not lying to you. I don't have... The only money I have saved up for in court tomorrow is the one federal government saves by force. Pension. You know, once you work for federal government, they will collect it's the room from your salary. If you, do, if you don't count that one, because nobody made one, don't have a dime saved up for tomorrow for anybody. My, of course, my children are not that stupid to be waiting for daddy will save up money for us. They don't even know the meaning of it. And I won't do it for anybody. God is my witness. God is my witness. God is my heart. I'm not lying about it. I'm not afraid of tomorrow. I've made, it's just a decision. No? It's not today. Ask my wife, when she first met me, she knew that this guy, something is not correct in his head. <laughs> it's not to do. I just made up my mind. When they say, do this, do this, you know, so that I said, nah, lie. One day, I told my sister, I said that they're saying, you know, naturally, my heat tightness and more tightness is on those states. So, for those who don't know, that means your natural, <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about that here. It's God that told Jacob, your father was a heat tight and your mother was an amorite. That's why we talk about it, Okay. One day my sister said that they are selling houses in Akure. The governor at that time was doing one deal. So they, she called me, come, come, come. I said, to do what? Buy a house. How much? That was that bungalows then, six millionaire. I said, I don't ask six millionaire. I said, no, 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 you don't have to ask six millionaire. You just down pay 10%. And after that, you pay the rest more, more over the next few years. I said, okay, I'm not interested. Thank you very much. I said, why? I said, you think it's asset? I think it's headache. I said, what will I do with it? Hey, you put a tenant inside. I'll be coming to Accra to drag the rent, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> then there was a, around that time, there was a storm that t- took a lot of houses, you know, the roofs in Akure there. I said to my sister, I said, you see, I never asked you people what happened. Do you know why? I don't have a house there. 
So when you now buy me a house there now, you think I'll use my money to buy asset or I'll use my money to buy headache. You know what I think? It's headache. It's not an asset. The value will go up. I'm not a speculator. Go and meet. I'm a preacher. So maybe about 10 years ago, when we started the first way of success, how many of you remember way of success when we started it? Yeah, how many years ago was that now? So it's more than 10 years ago. So, I was at home. My mother said, ah, Banky, you know, your mates are living in their own houses now. Time to build your own house. You know what I asked her? I said, how many of them are teaching the way of success on radio? So all these my mates are building their own houses. How many of them are on radio? Causing thousands of people to tune in twice a week. 8.30 p.m. on, uh, was it Mondays? And Thursday, 7.30 p.m. 30 minutes each time, one hour. Reverting them to the radios. Hearing the word of God. Who asked me amongst them whether I'm paying rent or I own the house? Nobody. I told my mother, I said, those who God has sent to go and build houses, please go and build it. Those who have been sent to go and preach on radio should please continue. No, I'm telling you, I made up my mind, I will not live an average person's life. He said, go and build a house where your hometown. I said, do I live there? I have lived in Enugu since the year 2000. This is 18 years. So you will not give me money. I will foolishly go to a water to go and buy land. If you were God, wouldn't you punish me? No, think about it. No, think about it. Okay, I don't know about you, but me, I will punish me for senselessness and foolishness because you are fearing the fears of other people. What will happen tomorrow? Who cares? Who cares? The God of tomorrow, is he growing old? He's not going to get dementia. I hope you understand that. And guess what? He already has a plan for tomorrow. That's a matter of fact. He already has a plan for tomorrow. And we actually scuttle his plan a lot of times because we're afraid. That's what I want to preach to Christians. Eh? First, go out to God and pray. Say to God, even if you will not bless me financially, I want to let you know I will serve you and follow your will for my life. If I perish, let me perish. You know, I don't like setting up. You know, when they were talking, we were going to Makodi, we were just talking that they meet you and Israel. He said, ah, money they come. I said, Apostle, it's not coming. I don't know what I remember. I said, it's not coming. So what do you, I said, money is not coming. Let's leave it like that. For a moment, he was wondering, which kind of negative prophecy is this? Don't want you to think it's coming. Just remove your mind. Just serve the Lord. If it doesn't come, that's its problem. Because if he says it's coming, you are waiting for it. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. Yes. Paul said to us, let your love abound more and more. How does your love abound more? Stop doing things for what you are going to gain. That is, listen, this is a Christian principle. They bring a business to you. If you cannot identify how you'll be helping people with it, don't do it. They'll come and say, you put money here, you do it. Just say, how, will it, how is it benefiting anybody? If you can't identify it, just remove your money. Don't do. Don't bother. Don't bother. Every business blesses everybody that's involved, if it is of God. Let me explain again. If they are selling this phone in Lagos, for just to make it easy, for 20,000 naira. And everybody has to go from Menugu to Lagos to go and buy his own. How much is transportation to Lagos? Let's take a cheap one. 5,000. To go, 5,000. To come, 5,000. Two days. Remember that? That's 10,000 plus two days plus all the risk of traveling to get the phone. You get that you pay for 20,000, right? Good. You get down here, you pay 30,000 in effect. 
It's wasted two days of your life and taking risks. But if I were to go there, buy 50 of it, come down to Enugu, and I sell to everybody for 25,000. Some people say, it's only 5,000, it's only 20,000 in Lagos. I know. You want to go to Lagos? Do you get my point? So if I sell it for you, 25, I'm not just making 5,000. I am saving you 15,000 naira. Okay, I'm, I'm saving you 5,000 naira. Okay, because you've been here. And the two days of your life you spend traveling up and down, I bear the risk, I give you the warranty, because if it is faulty, you have to go back to Lagos to claim your warranty. I do all of that for you in Enugu, and I say, for that reason, give me 5,000 naira. That is, now, if you recalculate, I'm saving you transport fare, saving you time, and making your warranty next to your doorsteps. For all of that, pay me 5,000. If your head is actually screwed properly, wouldn't you pay it to me? So you see, the so-called 5,000 I'm making on that phone is actually a blessing to you. Are you getting my point here? So it's not as if, oh, you're making 5,000 on each. No. I'm saving people trouble. And if I cannot identify how whatever I'm doing is helping somebody, please don't bother doing it. That is a matter of fact. Now, people are broadcasting for us. We pay them money, right? But because of them, thousands of people can tune in several days of the week and listen to us without having to come to Enugu. No matter how much they are making from our effort, they can identify how they are helping us. If you cannot identify what, what advantage, whatever you want to do, we push into somebody's life, please don't bother. If you have to lie to make people patronize you, don't bother. That's why I tell you, when you want to do business, eh? just ask my wife, policy that, look, I don't believe in doing what everybody is doing in every street, you know, every street corner. There's nothing I can add. There's nothing I can do differently. Then I'm not interested. If there's nothing I can add to the society, what's the point? I'm not interested. Look, there's something somebody said to me one time. We we're talking about ministry and all of that. So, of course, you know the way it is. We've been teaching here now since 2003. This is 15 years. We started only Saturdays. Went to Mondays and Saturdays. They will remove Mondays and put it on Tuesdays. So we'll now do Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesdays are school of prayer like today. And um, Saturdays are our regular Word of the Kingdom teachings. Of course, because of that over time, people will say that, why is it not a church? It's going to be a church, a church, you know, church, church, church. You know, church is not bad. I hope you understand that. It's the will of God. Everybody should belong to a church. Amen? But somebody now asked me once. No, after plenty of suggestions, I now started thinking, say, look, oh, let me think. Let me be sure I'm not being resistant or being stubborn. So I just got one of my friends, and he made a statement which just showed me the mind of God. He said what you are doing, he said what they are asking you to do, many people are doing it already. Like you are not really needed. He said, oh, but what you are doing, how many people are doing it? That for me was instant answer. Some say if you, if you have meetings on Sundays, you'll be able to help, come there, you'll be able to help people. There are many people that can help people in that area. It's just not my own area. I hope you are getting my point. I said, what is it that I'm adding that's different, that people cannot easily get next door? That is what you put in mind that you want to do something. Do you know what? If we can be totally selfless, you'll be amazed at what God can do in our lives. The word teaches us selfishness. What is in this for me? All of us believers must learn total selflessness. The word teaches us what is in it for me. But God says, I want you to know that what is in need for others, what is in need for the plan of God, 
That must be all that's in your mind. What is the need for you? I will decide that. You know, Google is, to me, is, is a, I don't believe, now, this is a personal opinion, all right? But I think that Google is a far better and far more relevant company than Apple. That's me. You can disagree, especially if you have an iPhone. Now, what I'm talking about this is, I think of all the companies in the world, I think they are the most influential company today. I don't know about, forget the valuation of Apple being $1 trillion. If Google switches off one day, the whole world will notice. If Apple switches off, you buy another phone. You just go and buy, there are 10,000 phones to buy. But if Google switches off all their services, Father in heaven, that is, now prayer. You don't even want to think about it. If they switch off all their services, they will just get lost. I've been asking people, I say, what does Google benefit from helping me find my way even inside Anambra State when I'm going for funerals in you know, places where governor of Anambra does not know the place exists? Google knows it is there. He will tell you, after 100 meters, turn right. Then you get 100 meters, you want to turn right. You see one road that can only take two bicycles. How did you know there is road is there? You will turn right, squeeze inside it. He said, after 50 meters, turn left. Then you don't see road, you just see bush. They tell you to keep going. Do you know what? You're going to the right place. And I've asked, what are they benefiting? Nobody has helped me today. They said they, said they just want to be everything. I said, now, wow. And the point I'm making, do you know how they started? Two boys doing a PhD project. Just chose a project on how to make searching better by one interesting algorithm that they prepared that helps them to index things and all of that. And they started using it on their campus. Let's make a long story short. It was not started to make money. It was a simple PhD project. Those who pursue money hardly get it. I hope you're getting my point. Those who run after money, they hardly get it. Let me just stop there. I wanted us to pray. So let's just pray small. Then we'll go. What's the prayer point? Open back to Philippians chapter 1. Let's rise to our feet. Everybody. We'll pray for a few minutes and then we're out of here. Paul said this. I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. We have explained that God expects us to be totally selfless. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Believe me, I have described now, don't do business except to be a blessing to people. Don't do anything unless you are sure of how to bless somebody. (laughs) It is easier said than done, and God knows it. So you know what he said? You will pray that God, let your love inside me abound more and more. It's a simple prayer. Is it hard? Let's begin to pray. Say, Lord, thank you. Let's start with thanksgiving. Thank you for light. Thank you for this standard you have set before me. Thank you for what you want me to be. Thank you because you want, thank you because you want me to be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Thank you because your desire is that I will be exactly like you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that they will not perish but have. All that God did was for people. It was not for himself. It was totally selfless. This was what Jesus had in him. 
even though he had equality with God, he did not consider it something to be grasped, but he gladly laid, him, laid it down, became obedient as a servant, became obedient to the point of death, and therefore God highly exalted him. I, you want me, Lord, to be like Jesus Christ. Paul said, let that same spirit be in you. Let your love abound more and more. Do nothing for selfish interests. Do nothing to impress people. Do things only because it is right to do. You must love righteousness. He said that is what is called love. That is what is called love, abounding more and more. Say, Lord, cause my love to abound more and more. That is my prayer for today. Cause my love to abound more and more. Help me to work selflessly. It's important. Like I say, a woman will say, I'm looking for a man that can take care of me. Say, Lord, I banish such thoughts from my mind from today in the name of Jesus. I banish such thoughts from my mind today in the name of Jesus. In every relationship, how can I be a blessing? It's what will be on my mind. Say, God, this is what I'm asking you for. That is my prayer today. That every relationship and everything that I do is what I can do to be a blessing. It is how I can be a blessing to somebody. Is how I can exercise my gift and the grace of God in me to bless people. That is what will be on my mind. That's what I'm asking you for. Is that, look, all our as believers, that's all God wants. Purify your heart. God says, I'm about to do something great in the midst of you. I need people that I can trust. People who will carry power and not be injured by it. I need people I can trust. People who will carry power and not be injured by it. Now, how do we prepare ourselves to be people that can manifest spiritual power? It is simple. It's by taking every trait of Christ Jesus. It's by taking every trait of Christ Jesus that is revealed to us. We make it a prayer point. We put it in front of us and say, Lord, make me like this. Thank you for the seed of Christ that is in me. Give thanks for that. And I know I have the ability because the seed of Christ is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My love will abound more and more in all spiritual wisdom and discernment in the name of Jesus. In true spiritual knowledge and discernment in the name of Jesus. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, the desire of my heart, perfect this desire in me. Make it manifest. That I will do nothing out of selfish interest. That I will do nothing out of selfish interest. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the work of the flesh. Open your mouth and renounce the work of the flesh. Say, Lord, I renounce the work of the flesh. I renounce selfishness. I renounce always looking for what will I gain out of this. I renounce always looking for my own benefit. I renounce always looking for what will I get out of this situation. Which is what we use to spoil a nation. That's how we use to ruin a society. Selfishness. Say, Lord, I will not participate with this world in selfishness. Say, Lord, I am a giver. The spirit of Christ is in me. God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver is not just about money. It's an all-round attitude of life. It's an attitude that will carry to every aspect of life. In my relationships, I'm a giver. I'm not looking for who I can take from. I'm looking for how I can be a blessing to people. Lord, the power to walk like this all the time is what I receive from you today through this prayer. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the work of the flesh. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the work of the flesh. Let's begin to give him thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Can you just declare time and say, in the name of Jesus? 
the seed of Christ is in me. I am born of God. In the name of Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away out of my life. Everything has become new. The seed of Christ is in me. The seed of God is in me. So I can be what God said I should be. I can be perfect as my Heavenly Father is perfect. See, it's important we understand that because sometimes unconsciously in our minds we just assume that ah, it's not literal. It's literal. What did I say? It's literal. We can do it. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus did it. You can do it. Somebody say amen. amen. When Jesus came to do things, he didn't come to do things so that he can show that he's better than us. He came to do things so that we will understand that it can be done. Did you hear what I said? Jesus never came to do anything to show that he's the son of God and he's better than everybody else. He came to show that a human being can walk with God. He came to show that a human being can walk in sinless perfection. He came to show that God can dwell in the midst of people, that God can dwell inside somebody. He came to show that a human being can walk so well with God that if somebody dies for four days and he, he decides that no, the person should not go, he will ask the father and the father will return that fellow's life. That's what he came to show. He didn't come to show that, you know, I'm the son of God, you know, we are, I'm, I'm better than the rest of you. No. He came so that we can walk in his footsteps. He came so that we can participate in that glory that he manifested. So say it again, say in the name of Jesus. In the, name of Jesus. the seed of Christ is in me. Therefore, I can be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Say it's a commandment for the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said be perfect. Therefore, I receive it. Say, I believe it. I can be perfect. I will walk in perfection. As my heavenly father is perfect. Say it again. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Disobedience is not my portion. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Disobedience is not my portion. Say, I walk in love. Because the love of God has been poured into my heart. Say, this love we are bound more and more in my life. This love we are bound more and more as I increase in knowledge and I increase in discernment in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, I will do nothing out of personal gain. I will do nothing just to impress somebody. I delight in righteousness because the seed of God is in me. I am being renewed to the perfect image of Christ Jesus. I walk in love and I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I will bear the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when Paul said, walk in love, when he said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It didn't mean when you are walking, you do shmush, mush, 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 more. When school does this, we had people like that. We don't talk to them. They were in the spirit. If you say, good afternoon. They couldn't answer you. They are, they are praying in tongues, you know. So that's walking in the spirit. That's not walking in the spirit. That's praying the way you like it. Walking in the spirit. Paul said, every commandment has a spirit. There is a spirit behind every law. Go for that spirit. That's what he was trying to say. The Lord Jesus identified the spirit. He said, this is the greatest of the commandments. And the second is like unto it. One, that shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything. 
And the second one is what? Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. That's the spirit of the law. And Paul said elsewhere, in that same Galatians to walk in love. He said it to the Colossians, said it to the Ephesians. People who walk in love, he said they are the ones walking in the spirit. It's not as if they are the ones who do, Eshmama, Eshmama, Eshmama. No. Those who everything they want to do, it is not what we like in. They are those in church, they are laboring very hard. Why? Promotion is soon coming. Promotion will soon come. They have to be dicking. They give offering, it is large. They will never give an offering somebody cannot write the name on. They must know who gave it. The offering basket is there. They walk to pastor's office. Pastor, I brought my tithe. Eh? Yeah. Put it there now. I want you to know. They won't say like that to I'll give it like that. And you open it and say, ah, 70,000 there. Very faithful brother. Every tithe you want. If pastor is not in church, that is not paying the tithe. Promotion is coming. If pastor does not know, how would I get promoted? When they say prayer, it comes to every prayer meeting as long as pastor is noticing or is representative. Why? He has to know so that when it is um, ordination time, you know, this man was a coordinator of foolishness. <laughs> <laughs> they used to harass his life. I know what I'm talking about. So when he just, when he's, you know, someone just say, oh, pastor came with say, God bless you, send him a recharge card. It's not love. It's not love. It's ordination. Am I lying? He might also receive gifts of selfishness. They don't love him. They don't care about him. Just that like this man is one writing the names of those they will promote. Just be reminded. Ah, good afternoon. I just said I should greet you, sir. Why are you greeting me? Did you get your alert yesterday? It will be pray- prayers. But after a while, he understood. Oh, foolish Galatian. People do that. A lot of people do it. And that's the problem we have sometimes in Christianity. That's not your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everything you will do, you will do out of love. Amen. Love for God. Amen. Love for righteousness. Amen. Love for people. Amen. The desire to be a blessing. Amen. The desire to use the gift of God in you to affect the people around you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That will be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. God will speak through you. God will walk through your hands in the name of Jesus. I said the Lord will speak through you and the Lord will walk through your hands. Now, please, there's something I want to tell everybody. From now, don't be afraid to pray for people. If you go to somebody's house, what's happening? This person has been very, very sick for two days. Don't say, what is wrong? I have a friend who's a specialist. What did he say? Is the eye. I have an ophthalmologist. uh... Hello? Uh, Ah, is that Dr. Francis? Please, uh, what's the number of that your friend as an ophthalmologist? That's the first thing. It's not, it's not good. What did I say? Ask, can I pray for you? You know how much they charge for prayer? Nothing. What if the person doesn't get healed? How is that your problem? When you did not pray, they were not healed. <laughs> so it's not like you have worsened the situation. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. I believe very strongly. I'm not kidding about it. I want to start hearing testimonies. Come and see me after and say, Pastor, see what happened. I went to that house. I prayed. But God was so good. The man that he said would die, next morning, they were surprised he was washing his own car. I said, Pastor, I tell you the truth. Me too, I was surprised. <laughs> it's not a problem. Just be surprised the first time. After some time, you will get used to it. One of the men I admired the most, he's, he's, he has gone home to heaven now. He said the first time he prayed for a sick person, See, I was reading the story of Smith Wigglesworth. And he was like, God, what kind of power is this one? He said, while he was reading, the power came upon him. 
He said he doesn't know. Two women just showed up in his house and said, please, there's somebody that is sick. Whether I can come and pray. This young girl had been discharged from UCH Ibadan. Now, it's not the, look, those days, UCH Ibadan was a referral center for the whole of Africa. People came from all over Africa to come to UCH Ibadan. They had discharged this child to go home. They didn't know what was wrong. There was no treatment. Child was on the bed. Maybe like a 10-year-old, something like the child. He said, God, there, a Muslim house. He said, in the name of Jesus, he said, as soon as he said it, the child leapt into the air. Something that was totally paralyzed. Flew off the bed and landed on the floor. Everybody in the house disappeared. He said, even he, he followed them. <laughs> that is the story. That is the story. He said he followed them. He said it was when he was on the staircase that he realized what was going on. <laughs> so he cautioned himself and ran back there. He said he lifted the chair, put the chair back on the bed, arranged the chair very well, entered his couch, <laughs> and went home to go and repent. He went and cried before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm very sorry. <laughs> Let me add my own word. You didn't tell me this is how this is your power work. I mean, like, uh-uh. after I had come, he said that next day, next day he now went back and began to pray. Pray for the child again. Came back the third day. Came back for a few days. By the time it was done, in less than a week, the child was 100% well. 100%. 100% the child was well. So I just told that to let you know that if you are surprised, don't be too surprised. But I feel like telling people of God, get ready for the miraculous. Get ready for visions and revelations. Get ready to have the power of God work in your life. Get ready to carry the power of God into people's lives. Get ready for supernatural intervention in all that you do. It's not only for preachers who know I've been saying it. In class, you teach in primary school, it will happen. In class, you teach in secondary school, it will happen. You teach in university, it will happen. Amen. You are in the market, you own a business, it will happen. Amen. Visions and revelation will characterize your life. Amen. Daniel was not a preacher, never forget it. You know the Daniel in the Bible? You look at him as a prophet. The Jews did not consider him a prophet. His book was arranged amongst what they call the Chetubim. It was with Esther, Nehemiah, you know, Ezra. That's how they arranged Daniel. It's Pentecostal that put him around Jeremiah, you know, to, with Malachi, Isaiah, and Co. Obadiah, and all those people. No, the Jews did not put him there. They put him elsewhere. You know why? He was a civil servant. So don't wait to mount a pulpit for visions and revelations to work in your life. Whatever you do, even if you are a farmer, you are a farmer with visions and revelations. Amen. You are a farmer with supernatural control over the weather. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a time a man looked and said, Son, stand still. The son stood. In this generation, somebody will look. Rain is about to fall. He will, he will say, Stop. You will literally see the drops rise back to heaven. Amen. And you will witness it. Amen. I was watching Paul Jackson give a testimony. I think, was it him or somebody else? A man fell off, you know, a bridge collapsed, and he drove off the bridge. You understand? And he cried to the Lord for help, and the car reversed in the air, and went back on top of the bridge, the segment that was not collapsed. 
and people saw it. It was inside. Do you understand? Went off into the air. Said, "Lord, deliver me!" And the car came to a halt mid-air. Came to a halt and reversed. And people around were watching. You will see it Amen. with your mouth. The Lord will command it to happen. Amen. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, I thank you. Give Him praise. Lord, we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. All right, this is how we share the grace in fellowship. We are going to share the grace. Now, Father, we thank you for today as we go. You are going with us. Goodness and mercy will go with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. All right, um, this is how we share the grace. Please, if you are going for the first time, open your magazine to page 11. You see at the bottom on the right how we share the grace there. So let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly bless the people around you. Quickly, quickly. This is your season of multiplication, dominion. Bless another person.